today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. We are reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition. Here is the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd, my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where he, their child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid, he paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to the herald, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. Today's message title is Epiphany. Let us pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts together this morning be pleasing in your sight. Lord, fill us with the light of your presence here in this place so that we meet you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So if you look around the sanctuary now, it seems like something is missing, right? We're missing our big, beautiful Christmas tree we had last week, right? And we are missing the Advent wreath candle that we spent all last month lighting. There's no more poinsettias, no more figures in the nativity scene that children put together on Christmas Eve. It's all gone. But 
it's not all gone because you know we watched a bunch of Marie Kondo's show on Netflix over the New Year's and decided to tidy up, tidy up, doing danshari and simplifying decorations a bit. No, that's not it. It's because we finally have come to the end of the Christmas season. Yes, you heard me correctly. The end of Christmas season. When we think about Christmas, well, we tend to focus on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the 24th and the 24th, 25th of December. But actually, in the Christian calendar, Christmas is an entire season covering 12 days, and it starts, not ends, on Christmas Day, lasting all the way until the beginning of the next season, called Epiphany season. So now let's take a look at the Christian calendar together, shall we? Oh, thank you, Maruka. Okay, so we just finished the Christmas season today, right? The little tiny box, uh, the, the red over the edge, you know? So that's Christmas. So that's the season uh, of Christmas, and we celebrate in this season the birth of Jesus, who is God incarnate, which means God made human born to human parents and experiencing a human life just like us. So of course now, as you can see, now we have moved into the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany season begins with the story of Magi's visit to the baby Jesus, which is what we read about in today's scripture reading. So now I want you to take a look at the banner hanging on the wall onto your right, right? The middle one there, the yellow one, right? This beautiful yellow banner was made by one of our church members a long time ago, and he portraits today's scripture reading for this Epiphany season. The word Epiphany, for those who don't know, means sudden revelation of something previously hidden, right? The shining of brighter and clearer light on truth previously unseen. And the reason why today's scripture that we read today, the story of the Magi's visit to the baby Jesus and his family is referred to as Epiphany, the reason for that can be explained by the different symbols we see in today's reading. So the first symbol that we hear, we see, is the star, probably the most famous symbol in today's story, right? We have that star here today. The Magi, who lived far away in the east, saw in the sky a star that looked in some way different from a usual star. So these Magi were astrologers of some sort, the people who looked to the stars in order to understand the things happening here on earth. So this star revealed to them somehow, this is Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, the king of the Jews was born. Now, if you remember the Christmas story from the perspective of the shepherds, it was an angel who came just to tell them that Jesus had been born. But for the Magi, it was no angel, but the presence of this new different star, which revealed to them the fact that king of kings had been born. Another revelation that happens in this story, which is another epiphany, has to do with the Magi experience when they encounter the baby Jesus. 
The Magi, who came from an entirely different country, came all the way from the east in search of this newborn king. And after a long journey following this bright and distant star, what happened when they found Jesus? Well, let's look at the, what the banner says. And they, meaning the Magi, fell down and worshipped him, him meaning Jesus. So once they finally saw this newborn king, the Son of God made flesh and realized that this wasn't a prince in silks and fine clothes, warm and surrounded by nursemaids and servants, but it was a baby wrapped in a simple swaddle, born to a pair of parents lying in a manger. And just from these two revelations in today's reading and star and the God of child revealed to them, I cannot stop thinking about how gentle and thorough our God really is. Right? God revealed the divine presence to the Magi in a way that they could understand and relate to. The Magi may not have known much about the faith of the people in Israel, but they knew a lot about stars. So when God came into the world, the divine presence was revealed to them through the star that they found. And even when they got lost, even when they couldn't figure out exactly where Jesus was, it was the star that guided them to the manger in the end. As we know, God worked through all things, placing people and events in our lives to provide us with an opportunity to better know and more deeply experience our relationship with God. Right? So it was the star that drew the Magi closer to God, which brought them to the moments of epiphany at the manger. For me, it was my pastor who showed me Christ-like love and care, leading me into a closer relationship with God. When I spent time with my pastor in the early days of my faith, it was easy to imagine who God was to me, a good listener kind, accepting, loving, God must be like that. Because it was through the understanding that I started to want to know more about God. I remember very well those first few years after I became a Christian. I felt as bright as the star that Magi saw in the sky. You know, my conversion to Christianity had truly changed me. The personal connection I, I had found with God the warmth and love I received from God truly saved me. I could feel God's presence so close to me, radiating from within me in a way that could only come from God. And I felt loved, I felt whole, I felt I, I was peace with God. And I wish I could say these things stayed like that. I wish I could say that Throughout my Christian life, things have been golden, right? I have always been in love and in peace with God. But I am no perfect Christian, and there have been seasons where my faith has stagnated. I felt distant from God, where I felt like I had lost the closeness and intimacy I once experienced with God. And when I say my faith stagnated, I don't mean to say it, it disappeared, right? There were times when I didn't feel that God was revealing anything to me. It was more like that. When that dialogue and the bond between me and God had cooled, cooled and quietened. 
And in those seasons, when I was experienced was very much the opposite of the epiphany, the encounter was godly revelation. But instead, what I experienced in those times was a sense of stagnation. As with all of us, I have experienced this several times throughout my Christian life. But when I think about it, the first thing that always comes to my mind, you know, stagnation of faith, is the time just after we are married, when Don and I lived in Tokyo. So after graduating from college in Michigan, Don and I moved to Tokyo as missionaries, with Don having been assigned to a Christian high school to teach English and the Bible. And in those days, I was very focused. I had a clear goal in mind, a precise idea exactly what I wanted to have in life. I wanted stability. What I wanted was for life to start make sense. I wanted to see clear and steady progress in our life together as husband and wife, and to begin growing our family from there. As a wife, I was firm in understanding that my role must be to support Don so that he would thrive in his career as a teacher and a missionary. I was convinced that through this, we would be able to have a stable life, even start talking about having children. Don's superior at the school at the time advised us the best way to secure the stability would be for Don to get a graduate degree in education so that his current job would be more secure and better options might open up in the future. So following his advice, we used some of Don's salary to, so that he could start going to graduate school. And as anyone, and I'm you know, sure there are many here, as anyone who has gone to school while also holding a full-time job and supporting a family can tell you, it is not easy to work and study and take care of your family all at the same time. But Don worked hard, and I worked hard to support him too. And I would say that we both worked very hard and were very diligent in what we did. And thanks be to God, the hard work paid off. Don finished his program and earned a master's degree in education. Oh, wow. I thought to myself, oh, wow, now our life is secure. We can start a family, start returning to things in our life that we had placed on hold. I accepted the fact that this was going to be the place where we would settle down, that this was where we are going to put down roots. We found a wonderful church to attend, and we had really connected our church family there. We had friends, community, comfort, and what looked like safety and security, stability. But despite all my expectations, despite all our hard work and delicate planning, life didn't turn out to be stable. Despite Don's supervisor's suggestion, a graduate degree didn't make his job more secure at all. And rather than staying in Tokyo and putting down our roots, we moved back to the States and went to seminary instead. And that was a moment that I realized all the plans I had been building were falling apart. And in that space, I had an epiphany of my own. And that was despite the fear and the panic I would have expected to feel in that kind of situation, which I confess that I very much felt later on. 
But in that moment, I only felt a calm assurance and peace in my heart and in my mind. That moment, I felt natoku. The feeling of natoku came as I realized that things were not turning out the way I had planned, but they were turning out the way they were supposed to be. The door I had been knocking on so diligently and persistently had remained closed, not because I didn't work hard enough or Don didn't work hard enough or because I had not been faithful enough, but because it was not a door I was, I was meant to knock in the first place. The future I had been building and planning for was not something God had intended to be. I had done everything I could to make things happen in the way that I thought was right. But no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't make something happen that was not in God's plan. Because no matter how hard I might work, God remains in control. As you can see in the story, King Herod also had a plan. And his plan was to stay in power as king for as long as he possibly could. So he did everything he could think of in order to make that happen, to protect his power and his position. When he learned from the Magi that a child had been born who would be king of the Jews, he gathered together all those who could possibly tell him where this newborn king might be, calling all the chief priests and scribes, according to the scripture. And as soon as he learned from them that this newborn king must, according to the prophecy, be in Bethlehem, he told the Magi to go there and to search diligently, work hard, for this king and to return to him after they, found, they had found him. Though he claimed to want to honor the king as they did, as the Magi did, King Herod's real plan was to kill Jesus so that he could make sure that his power, his plans for the future were stable, not interrupted. And when he realized that the Magi did not as he had asked, he ordered all the children in the area who could be around Jesus' age killed just to make sure that Jesus could never threaten the stability and security of his reign. But as you know, just as I learned, what we have to move back to America. No matter how hard we try to make security and stability happen for ourselves, no plan can work out if it isn't accordance with God's will. And just like that, God appeared to Joseph, Jesus' father, in a dream and told him to move his family to Egypt so that they would be safe where Herod slaughtered all the infants in the region. Now, you might think the Magi are not at all like King Herod, right? After all, they saw the star, they found the star and faithfully followed to find Jesus. Unlike Herod, they understood who Jesus was to them and why he was so important. They knew Jesus was the true Lord and King, which is why they did not offer gifts to King Herod, but saved them until they had come before Jesus to give respect. But even knowing all of that, Magi still didn't know where exactly to go find Jesus. Just like King Herod tried to use all his human might 
effort and diligence to make things happen in his way and in his time, the Magi also try to pursue Jesus with nothing more than their own human wisdom. And in that human wisdom, they figured that whoever was in power must know the truth. So they trusted power and went to King Herod and the seat of all worldly power and authority in the region to ask him if he knew where Jesus was. Then the epiphany moment came for the Magi after that when they realized that King Herod knew just almost as little about where to find Jesus as they did and ordered them to find the king on his behalf. And when they went out from Herod's presence, they saw again the star, going ahead of them, guiding them to Jesus. They just had to look for the divine light and to follow it to the Prince of Peace. And in doing that, they followed the star all the way until it stopped where Jesus was. And entering the house there, Magi met the baby Jesus, and they knelt down and paid homage to this king that they had been shown rather than the king their own force of will had guided them to. We all might not be as aggressive as Herod was, as deliberate and intentional in killing the plans that God has for our lives. But when we lean our own understanding, our own knowledge and will, and forget to surrender to God's wisdom first, we can easily wind up like the Magi did first, in the court of the wrong king. Many of, you, many of you know that I struggle with depression. It is something that I have talked about a few times before because for better or worse, it's always been part of who I am. And I have talked about how, with God's help, I have accepted and embraced that part of myself because I could see how God was using that depression to show the goodness of God to me and to people around me. But in the last several months, the depression started to get worse, and I was feeling quite overwhelmed. So for the first time, I went to see a psychiatrist, and my psychiatrist told me that depression isn't necessarily something to be struggled with, but it's actually quite treatable. And he was right. Within a few weeks, I started to feel much better, and my brain fog started to clear up, and I regained a great deal of the energy and joy, appreciation, and gratitude that I felt that I'd been missing from my life. I felt restored my present in my own life and the life of my family and my community that I had in a long time. So for years, I thought that by learning to live with depression, I could continue to serve as a testament to the goodness and love of our caring God. But looking back on it now, I see what I was really doing was relying just on my own will, trying to force that one epiphany I had with God way back in the beginning. But what was actually needed here wasn't to try to make things happen, according to the God I knew then, but by the constantly growing, changing, and personal relationship I have with God day by day and moment by moment. Learning to embrace myself 
was an epiphany back then. But after years of embracing and accepting myself, it wasn't an epiphany anymore. Well, that was the only epiphany I had anymore. That's more like accurate to say. I needed help in an entirely different way, and I was refusing that help because I was being prideful, wanting to say that my faith in God was so strong that I didn't need any help. So as those things were revealed to me, I let that pride go. Pride go. I knelt down before God and asked for help. And then I listened to see how God wanted to help me this time now in this situation, in this particular situation. And instead of telling me to keep fighting, to keep forcing my understanding and my experience onto the situation, God instead revealed and guided me to a doctor who showed me a better way to handle my struggles. And this was my epiphany. Relying on experts who know so much more than I, relying on other people who can see better plans than I can, and solutions I could never dream of is a gift given to me by God. What plans, ideas, convictions, or past experiences do you need to let go of so that you can experience moments of epiphany where you can meet God personally and connect intimately with our almighty creator. Now that the new year has started, some of you might have already made a new year's resolution, a goal to pursue this year. You might have even started laying out concrete steps to achieve that goal. But even as we lay out the path before us, we should not lose sight of our moments of epiphany. The same divine light that guided the Magi shines in our own lives today. Sometimes we might miss that star and get lost because our hearts and minds are too crowded with our own willful ideas, our own plans, our own wants and desires shaped by what we think we know. We go boldly Here we, go. we go boldly down on our path, missing the lesson of Proverbs 9.10, which tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. We are not authors or editors of our own lives. God is. We need to surrender, kneel down before God, and let go of our own knowledge and convictions and practice turning our eyes to that bright a shining star, which is the loving, welcoming presence and guidance of the Almighty God. KC family, don't miss that epiphany moment. It's there, it's being given to everyone, a guiding star to help us along this long, challenging journey through life with our God. If we set aside our own judgment, follow that star with open hearts, ears to listen, and spirits ever seeking the will of our Creator, we will find our way, way right to where we're supposed to be, kneeling in worship, right at the feet of the newborn King. Let us pray. Dear Lord, please reveal to us all those places in our lives and in the life of the Church 
where we do not fear you, do not trust you, do not lean upon you, and instead put our own trust in powers and other things that are not of you, are not from you. Loving and merciful God, please reveal to us all those places where we rely on our own knowledge and convictions instead of inviting you into our lives, putting you first above all else. So Lord, please show us the light of your shining star, guiding us to come back to you, to follow again in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>